0: Good day, this is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ culture podcast. I'm here at QCon San Francisco 2017 with Edith Harbaugh. Edith, welcome. You're the founder and chief executive of LaunchDarkly. Tell us a little bit about LaunchDarkly and if you wouldn't mind, a bit about your history. How did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so LaunchDarkly helps software companies all over the world launch and control their features. Mm-hmm. So we're a feature management platform. Mm-hmm. We basically allowed developers to use us for feature flagging. Mm-hmm. And then developers or people uh, outside of the traditional developer structure, like a QA person, a designer, a product manager, even marketing and sales, to turn features on and off for different customers.
0: What brought you to where you are today?
1: Uh, so I've been in software my entire life. I started off coding basic when I was nine. I progressed to visual basic. Was that progression or regression? <laughs> <laughs> and I actually was a, an engineer across the street from the conference hotel at One Market. Mm-hmm. So I was designing big portal management systems and have some patents on that. Mm-hmm. I was an engineering manager for a long time and saw, I think, every which way a project could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I learned how to make projects go right because mm-hmm. I saw a lot of ways where just time was spent on stuff that shouldn't be spent on. Mm-hmm. I then saw that you could have a very good engineering organization that still sometimes would build the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So I became a product manager then because I wanted people to build righter things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's when I discovered that product management is actually harder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In engineering, you're just like, let me build. Uh, figuring out the right thing to build is actually quite difficult too. Mm-hmm. After that, I realized that we were building the right things, but that nobody had heard of them. Oh. So I went into marketing for a while. I think. As a naive engineer, I had this belief that if you built cool things...
0: People will come.
1: And people are busy. I mean, think about like what you do every day. You don't really have time to go out and constantly seek new products. I think mm-hmm. marketing is highly underrated. That's my background. I got into Large Darkly and started it because I saw that, A, this was a framework that would have helped me in the past when I was still in engineering. As well as B, this was something that as a product manager and in marketer that would have helped me a lot in terms of being able to selectively control feature releases, mm-hmm. puts a lot of power in the right places. Mm-hmm. As then the developers can concentrate on building, mm-hmm. and the product managers can turn features on and off for various users and more quickly iterate instead of having to worry about is this feature literally perfect because it's going out to everybody.
0: This is the culture podcast. What makes a great engineering culture?
1: I think a lot about this actually, because my co-founder came out of Atlassian. We'd been friends, we went to college together and we'd been friends a long time. So it was very important to us to have a culture that we liked. And I'd been an engineer, so we tried to engineer our own company. Mm -hmm. So I think a good engineering culture is one where there's a lot of respect for other people's roles. Mm -hmm. And I mean that literally that it's very easy, particularly if you're working long hours, you're stressed, To assume bad intentions like why did this person miss this feature do they Mm -hmm. do do they not agree with me when it could have just
0: been literally they were busy they were tired
1: so it's easy when you're working hard to see slights where there's no slights and that compounds so Mm -hmm. one one of our big things about a good engineering culture is always assume Mm -hmm. the best of of your of your fellow teammates and Mm -hmm. seek first to understand Mm -hmm. another thing we try to do culture-wise is this and this goes back to respect we call it continually learning Mistakes are always going to happen. Hmm. Like just this morning I got off on the wrong BART stop because I was thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. I've seen people make far worse mistakes. And we do a lot of root cause analysis, but we always try to do it in a a blame-free way.
0: So how do you do that? We hear a lot about the importance of the the blameless retrospective and creating this blame-free environment. But that's really hard to actually get in place.
1: So something we do is every time like so when we do retros and so my my co-founder to be honest runs engineering now but Mm -hmm. I try to take a lot of those engineering practices into the sales and marketing side which which I run and also for our entire company. We do stuff like uh, when we do a retrospective we say like what went well. Mm -hmm. So everybody gets a chance to like kind of brag and feel good Mm -hmm. and then we say what could we have done better.
0: So not what went badly.
1: What could we have done better. I'll say this even like, um, so we're interviewing job candidates right now because mm-hmm. we're hiring. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, we're hiring. And so we did around the room, round table of a candidate. And then I also did around the room of how do we feel this interview process went? Because you know we're, we're a growing company and we're, we're continuing to interview candidates. So I wanna make sure that we're giving the candidates the best experience as well as our own. And so like with this one, they said, hey, when the candidate came in they seemed a little surprised because the recruiter hadn't told them who they were meeting with that day. We're like, oh, usually we do that. This must have been a recruiter who didn't realize we like that. Let's let's go talk to this recruiter and make sure that she does that next time. Another thing we did was somebody had gone way over their time. And so my first question is, why do you go over your time? Because that actually kind of has this cascading effect. And they said, well, actually, I think I just really need more time. I said, okay, next time we bring in a candidate for this role, let's give you this extra time. Mm-hmm. So this is a small example of just how... We try very hard to not say like, hey, their recruiter messed up and they're a bad person and you went over your time, stop being a blabbermouth, but just like, hey, yeah. let's approve. Let's it's, it's not always like quite that kind of dry. I keep going back to the recruiting one because it's pretty generic, but like sometimes somebody say, well, I want more time and we'll push back and say like, well, really? Do you need it? Do you need it? Like, we, we don't want to have people here all day. Like, can you just try to like, are you asking questions that somebody else is covering? because we try to divide up like each person covering different areas. So this is generic to recruiting, but we also try to do this in engineering in all areas of our company in terms of like, it's big to us that meetings stay on time. Mm-hmm. Meetings can expand to fill infinite time. And I've seen it swing too far the other way where a company decides they're not gonna have any meetings, which is also disastrous because then nobody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we, we try very hard that every meeting has a purpose, mm-hmm. the right people are in that meeting, the wrong people or not. In all our meetings, we have a no laptop rule, which means if you're in the meeting, you're in the meeting. And we'll politely call people out on this. Like if it's, if there's a literally like a fire in production, like get up, yep. leave the room. If it's just like, hey, can you check this pull request right now? Like it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And I learned this from my own history of, uh, I, I used to be an engineering manager and it would drive me absolutely nuts because I would be trying to run a meeting and everybody would have their laptop open and they'd be writing each other's emails. And suddenly they would start talking about something, which had absolutely nothing to do with the meeting that I was trying to to run. But just they would get upset about their emails on this other subject. They would just start talking to each other. and am like, wait, 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 what? So I think a lot of a productive engineering culture is making sure that people have space to do their jobs, making sure they have time to do their jobs, making sure that you have the right number of meetings, but not too many, making sure they can continually learn. So that's a good culture.
0: And if we think of some of the things that science tells us about motivation, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, where does that fit? How do you achieve that for an engineering team?
1: Well, so let's break that down. It was...
0: Autonomy, mastery, and purpose is the, the three things from, from Daniel Pink's drive.
1: We do OKRs, Mm -hmm. so objectives and key results. So at every quarter, we say these are objectives and key results. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one of our objectives right now is to scale up to the size of a certain size organization in our UI. And then we say, OK, engineering, go forth.
0: Figure out how to make it happen.
1: Yeah. We're trying to, our NPS is quite good. It's in the 30s. We'd like it to be higher. Mm -hmm. So we're like, OK, we have all these NPS surveys. We know what people aren't happy with. Go forth, improve their NPS. We try to, at a high level, as the co founder set the purpose, Mm -hmm. I look at myself as the orchestra conductor. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is the music we're playing. Everybody move at a certain pace, but like, play at your own speed. Mastery is a huge one for us. A big thing I tell the team a lot is it's okay to be bad at something in the beginning. It's okay to like, so when we started the company, we actually switched to Go, which my co-founder had done another language before and so all our engineers go was kind of a new language at the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that was kind of exciting mm-hmm. but that applies to a lot of different areas of engineering because there's always some new tool there's always some new skill it's okay That's, to be bad yeah. it's, it's it's so mastery it's very okay to be bad one thing we do to encourage people getting better is we again it goes back to the retrospectives we say well what did you learn this month
0: mm-hmm.
1: like what what could you and i often tell them it's fine to be wrong as long as you realize you're wrong and stop doing it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's when you have a culture of, I'm afraid to admit a mistake, so I'll just keep doing this wrong thing, mm-hmm. that is extremely dangerous, because mm-hmm. then you just have this festering hurt of something is broken. Mm-hmm. Purpose, I think I already covered in autonomy, mm-hmm. but it goes back to one, making sure that people understand the big picture, and two, making sure they understand why we're doing it. So we have the luxury that we our customers are developers. Mm-hmm. So we do have a head advantage there that, you know, we we use our own product ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So LunchDarkly uses LunchDarkly. But even beyond that, we're a small startup and our typical customer is more like a Fortune 1000 a person company. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we do things like we'll have the salespeople present a customer story. Mm-hmm. Whenever we win an account, they do a detailed win report, which goes out to everybody. Mm-hmm. So actually, what's more important to us so the money that we make is nice, <laughs> but what the team really loves hearing about is how are we we you, this customer? Mm-hmm. Like, why do they choose us? What's exciting? So like, we'll see stuff like uh, people are moving off their own homegrown system because they wanna feel more confident with their releases. They, in a trial period, were able to cut their release cycle from six months down to six weeks. It's incredibly validating, I think, for the whole team when you feel like this visceral sense of that you're actually helping.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that feels mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, so we serve 10 billion features every day. It's a lot.
0: That's a big number.
1: Yeah. And that I hope gives the company a sense of purpose that we're literally helping people.
0: So what else is special about LaunchDarkly?
1: I think we have this culture where we continually scrutinize our own culture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, so when we're, it's funny, so we're an early stage company and the way we ran things has evolved as we've gotten bigger. Yeah. Like in the early days, uh, it was me, my co-founder and two engineers. So we had a daily up all four of us. As one does and then we were eight people and we had a salesperson and marketing person and they were in the stand-up too Mm -hmm. because otherwise it would be weird like you know we're all sitting together and that was actually really fun because it gave our salesperson and marketing person a clearer sense of like you know this is exactly what was going on as we got bigger we could not do that anymore Mm -hmm. you can't have a 30 person stand-up so what i told the team is like hey that worked perfect for us when we were smaller as we grow bigger we have to rethink our processes so we're continually kind of saying, Hey, is this, is this still working? Is this something that we should start doing or stop doing? Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it goes back to the blame free culture. It's like, it's not that this was bad. It's just that we tried it and it didn't work or we tried it and we've outgrown it or we tried it and we should try this better thing.
0: And you mentioned the, the concept of continual learning.
1: Yeah, that's big. Something we do that's unique is we give everybody $2,500 for a class or a conference and they get mm-hmm. to pick. I have been at other companies where it's kind of seen as re-education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, you know, you're bad at this, so you must go to this training, and the person kind of shows up begrudgingly like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. For us, it's this big treat. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everybody's really excited about thinking about, you know, because they can split it up and go to, you know, two cheaper conferences, one big one, and, you know, or they can try to... Uh, it's funny, what, what some of them do is like, uh, if, if I get a speaking slot somewhere, we get a guest ticket. And so they hit me up for the guest ticket because they want (laughs) to and the 2500 goes to the travel and i absolutely am blown away by how excited people get about it i think i i go to a lot of conferences because i'm the ceo Mm -hmm. but you know for like our designer they just went to web summit and they were just so excited Mm -hmm. and they they say they learned so much or like today the people who are running the booth because we're a sponsor they were so excited because they got to go to some of the sessions Or like uh, it's it's just something that if you make learning seem like a perk rather than a punishment, people really respond. Mm-hmm. Like cause I, like I said, I, I've been at other jobs where it's like, hey, you don't know enough about continual delivery, you have to go to velocity, and then people are just like, what? I don't. Know.
0: As an instructor, when you because that's part of my day job at at times. Is uh you get the person in the class, you know, why are you here? Oh my boss sent me and it's punishment. Yes. That's just wrong.
1: That's just wrong. No, I I, I love it. I, I love um that's one of the things that makes me happy is that you know, people get to go to stuff that and sometimes it is stuff that they know they're bad at that they want to get better at. You know, they're like people will be like, Hey, I would like to get stronger at this skill, I found this class. Can I go?
0: Edith, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. It's uh, an, an interesting insight into purposefully engineering your culture.
1: I think when you're building a startup, you're building the product. You're also building a company. And, and that, that's really fun to me because I'm, I'm an engineer by background. So I think I have this opportunity to build with, with, with like a co-founder who is amazing that we, we have this opportunity to build a culture because he, as I said, came out of Atlassian, which had an amazingly strong culture. Um, so it was really important to us that we have one that was good. I'd say having worked at a lot of companies, you always have a culture whether you admit it or not. It's just whether you like what's happening. Like your culture might be just awful and as the founder that's that's your ultimately your fault.
0: And that's not good. No thank you very much indeed.
1: Yeah thank you.